Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gluten-Free Voice. I'm Jules Shepard, and I am joined today by Jessica. I'm thrilled to have her here on the show again. She has been through about six months now of living gluten-free, having her daughter um, diagnosed with celiac disease last fall, and she has made the transition with her family to largely, you know, having a gluten-free kitchen and to having to, you know, look at labels every time she goes to the store and to getting rid of some pots and pans. And, you know, her life has really changed quite a deal, a great deal in the last six months. So we wanted to check in with her because her daughter had her six-month visit with the pediatrician and um, also her gastroenterologist after her diagnosis and having gone gluten-free. So we wanted to check back in with her and just sort of see how far she's come, see how things are going, see how she feels about having made this change and how it's affected their lives. Because I think this is, while it's unique to her and her situation, it's very, very applicable to anyone who's making the transition to living gluten-free. And I think it's helpful, particularly for those who don't live in proximity of someone else who's, you know, a friend who's gluten-free or a gluten-free support group. It's really, really helpful to hear somebody else's journey and to look back on yours and realize that you know maybe you're you're doing all the right things too and things aren't aren't necessarily as hard as you were feeling like they were because you're all alone. So welcome back, Jessica. Thank you for taking time to join us. I appreciate you calling in today for the show. Yes, thank you. Um I wanted to first of all sort of for those of you who haven't heard the journey that Jessica and her daughter have gone through, you know, she was on the radio show for five weeks. The first show was the week that her daughter was diagnosed with celiac disease, and then every week thereafter for five weeks total. So if you're just joining us now and haven't heard those shows, it's really valuable to go back and listen to those, and especially if you're in the beginning part of a journey for yourself or someone in your family. So go back and have a listen, hear what Jessica did and and what they went through, and I think it will be particularly um, useful for you to then listen to this show on podcast and see, you know, where your life fits in with with this and see how, um, you know, your family has responded to going gluten-free or if you're considering going gluten-free, you know, see if this is something that you think that you can do for your family. Um, Jessica, just briefly tell us again, you know, about Abigail and, you know, when she was diagnosed, why you even had her into the doctor, um, you know, and what were the symptoms that actually brought about the initial testing for celiac disease? Yes. Well, it, I mean, it goes back quite far um, to probably when we were even just starting to potty train her, um, that she was having frequent um, bathroom accidents, and it just sort of you know, never got better. We later then kind of down the road after seeing many different doctors in different areas, um, it led to that she um, suffers from severe constipation, chronic constipation, 
Um, and, you know, we were kind of just going along with that, and but it, things still were not getting better. The accidents were not getting better. And and just just to rule everything out, we did the, you know, the testing for um, celiac disease and her thyroid and a couple other things, I think. And the celiac came back very, very high. So um, we I don't know if we discovered it by accident or that was just the road that we were headed down, but um, we found that out um, the end of August. And um, we, after doing, you know, all the testing and the endoscopy, we have had her on a gluten-free diet since September 4th. So... Um, and remind us, were you, I think you had actually initiated the conversation with the doctor about celiac. That was not something that the doctor had proposed? Well, we were we were, go- we were going to eventually get to that. Um, I, I believe we were eventually. It was something that kind of, as I was walking out the door from the appointment, she said, well, if this doesn't work, we'll test her for this and this. And, you know, it just, I've had just so many breaking points with this. Goodness, I'm going to get emotional. I just had right. so many, um, you know, breaking points um, with this, um, with these accidents, and and I just I, I just sort of broke and just called the doctor and I was like, can you just test it? I know we don't see you for a couple of months, but just run the blood work. And she was like, oh sure, it's blood work, you know, nothing. So yeah, we probably would have been there three or four months down the road, but it was me that kind of said like, we'll just do it now and let's rule this out. So. Yeah, I think that's really interesting to note because I hear that all the time from folks that they were the ones who actually prompted their doctor to do the testing. They're exploring on the Internet or they have friends who have heard about it, and they are the ones who say, please test. And I think that's not to be overlooked because, you know, sometimes doctors don't catch everything. Sometimes, you know, they think this doesn't follow a typical pattern of symptoms, and so I'm not going to test because, you know, it's a, an insurance issue or, you know, something like that, whatever's in the back of their mind. And it takes prompting from the patient. Um, Jessica, do you have me on speakerphone? Yes. Can you take me on speakerphone? So I did a little bit of reverb. Oh, you are? I just am on a cordless. Let me change this. Okay, thanks. Is that better? Yes, much better, thanks. Okay. Um, sorry, no, that's all right. I should have told you in the beginning. There's like a little bit of reverb there, and, I, and oh, you probably sorry. couldn't have heard it, but that's okay. Um, so you had her tested. She, it came back very high, and, and I know different labs have different testing numbers, um, so it, it wouldn't necessarily be the same, but I think the audience needs to know sort of what the numbers were so that they have a reference point. Do you remember what her numbers yes. were on the, the lab work that had the celiac test? I do. Uh, well, it was um – is it anti-gliadin? Yeah, gliadin. Was, it, mm-hmm. gliadin was the test. And, yeah, her numbers came back over 100. Mm-hmm. They were – I don't know exactly how far over 100, but they were greater than 100. Um, and her doctor at the time told us that 10 for that test was, you know, when they would say, oh, yeah, you – probably have celiac disease. So Wow. Mm-hmm. Ten times. Yeah, that's quite a difference. <laughs> now, but yeah. they did not make the diagnosis from the lab work. They actually ordered the upper endoscopy, right? Yes, they did. Although, again, at the time, her doctor was like, I'm fairly confident that it's going to mm-hmm. come back positive. But, yeah, that, as the standard of care, they did do that. So Yeah, and when that came back, that's when it was confirmed? Yes. 
yes. Okay. And did they see actual damage? I think that you, we went over this before, but I believe they did see the actual yeah. damage in the villa. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So she's, you know, definitely has celiac disease. And then, yes. you know, you decided at that point to have the serologies, the blood tests run for the rest of your family, which was a good move because, as we know, you know, there's such a, a strong connection um, because celiac disease is a hereditary disease, and one out of every 22 people with a, a first-degree relative with celiac disease um, also has it. So it was good that you had the rest of your family tested. And can you tell us the results of those? Just remind us for those of you who haven't been lis- you know, listening to the other ones yet. Yes, everyone else in our immediate family, that's um, my husband and I and her two sisters, all tested negative. Mm-hmm. Um at this time, no other family members, like, outside of our immediate family have been tested, but I've encouraged them all to, <laughs> next time they're at their doctor, just have it run, because, yes, it, it has to be somewhere, so. Yeah, it does. Um, we don't know anybody else on either side of our family who is ever, you know, so, but it, it has sure. to be somewhere, so. Yeah, it's, what's funny, Jessica, is, you know, and I travel around the country and speak to large groups, and, you know, I, I talk to so many people you know, who are in, in exactly the same shoes you're in, and you would not believe the number of people who say, well, you know, we finally, you know, urged everyone to get tested, and you wouldn't believe, but Uncle Tom has it, you know, whatever. Right. And and they don't have any symptoms, but they're diagnosed right. with celiac disease. So it's, you know, yep. and that, for those of you in the audience who don't know a lot about celiac disease, just because you don't have any overt symptoms, if you do test positive for celiac disease, that means your body is engaged in this autoimmune reaction, which is mm-hmm. very bad for you. And you're, you know, making it worse by continuing to eat gluten, and you're setting yourself up for um, other diseases and problems down the road. So it's important even if you don't have celiac symptoms. You know, I use like quotes around that because there are so many symptoms that people don't even realize could be symptoms of celiac disease that, um, you know, if you don't have what you think are typical symptoms and you feel like, I'm doing fine, I don't need to change my lifestyle. Well, what's really happening, though, if you have positive celiac disease tests is that your body is suffering um, sort of from the inside out. And so it's very important to address that, which is why we encourage our family members to get tested because it is essential for people to get tested and get um, diagnosed as early as possible so that they avoid problems down the road, which is why it's so wonderful, um, you know, that Abigail was caught early with celiac disease because, you know, even though we know that she had had damage and she's had lots of things we consider as symptoms of celiac disease for a while, she was so young when she was diagnosed, a life, a full life of he- ahead of her of living gluten-free, she will not be set up for having all these other problems down the road. So mm-hmm. it's really wonderful that you were so proactive um, in really trying to find out the answers as soon as possible because even those three months, you know, can know. make a difference. I so know. let's talk about today. I mean, you know, six months have gone by now. I mean, does it even feel like six months since she was diagnosed? I mean, does it feel like it was six years ago or does it feel like it was six days ago? Gosh, uh, that that's actually sort of a hard question because I think it's both. Um, on the one hand, I can barely remember when we didn't have um, yeah. think about gluten free. Um, but on the other hand, our home life has changed so much that I, you know, I mean, I, I feel like it's it's just a it's very second nature at this point um, at home. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know we're still working on some of the other other things as mm-hmm. they come up, but um, you know at home it's really not um, not any any worry or any any concern. So, and 
you know, when when we talk about your home life, I mean, I think that yeah. you're you're right. You talk about it at home, but you know, part yeah. of home life is how you you know feed your family, whether it be at home yeah. or out. And I know you know your family did used to eat out a lot. I mean, not yeah. you know an excessive amount, but you, yeah. you did eat out a lot. How does that? Mm-hmm. How has that changed, or has it changed since this diagnosis? Um, well, I I do think just we are all just healthier for eating mm-hmm. in more just because it is kind of a pain to eat out and um yeah. and 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 by that I mean you you have to work like I still don't fully trust other people to handle it and I know there are so many restaurants who really are taking care and concern but still you know not having that control since it's my daughter, not me, you know, it's it's yeah. hard to sort of let, so in some ways, it's not even really that enjoyable to go out to dinner yeah. anymore yeah. for that reason, um, but, you know, I, I think also it, we're just making so many more healthy choices because we're at home and you know, I think that, that that helps too. Yeah, it's funny how, you know, label reading just just yeah. in and of itself makes you more aware of what you're putting in your body and what you're feeding to your family because you're reading for gluten, but then you notice all these other crazy wacky things that are in products and you're like, eh, I don't think I want to eat that. I can't pronounce it, you know. Right. Um, and it does make you more healthy and it does cause – cause you to make better choices, I think, across the board. I've heard that from, you know, everybody, even people who still eat a lot of processed foods, they're eating even more fresh foods and fresh fruits and vegetables and things like that than they were before because they are taking a moment to actually stop and think about food. And Mm -hmm. food is fuel, and, you know, you can only get out of your body what you put into your body. And Mm-hmm. So thinking about it in that way, I think it's it's kind of a blessing for the rest mm-hmm. of your family that you know yes. you're actually spending more time thinking about the quality and safety of the food that you're feeding them. Mm-hmm. But there there are some fun restaurants that you've discovered. There's one um, that's not far from us that mm-hmm. is dedicated gluten free restaurant. And how yes. do you feel about going there? Oh, we love going there, and and it, it's so cute. Abby, she will say when someone asks her about even for her six month checkup. I think that was her doctor said, "Oh, you've been going to restaurants. Where do you like?" And you know, so she said, "Oh, One Dish Cuisine is her favorite place." <laughs> so you know, it's um, that is really that is the the best um, feeling is to go somewhere and know like, well, there isn't even any gluten in this whole restaurant, so. Mm-hmm you know, you can have whatever you want. You know, usually she's kind of like yeah. looking over the menu. And so there, that is that is very, very liberating. So. Yeah, it's a blessing to have something like that. Yeah. Um, and she has, uh, you know, I know just from talking to you, she has been really quite amazing, your little girl, she, you know. She she's is. so aware and she really, is. you know, doesn't give you too much of a hard time about anything with the food. No, not with that. And she gives me plenty of hard times about lots of other things. <laughs> but so, that was it. <laughs> honestly, I would have thought, oh, boy, this is going to be, of, of my three children, it would be the hardest with her. But she is just, a, I mean, a dream with the food. I mean, she truly is. So, Well, I think, you know, it's funny. They sort of take ownership of it. And, I think so. You know, it's, mm-hmm. First of all, it makes her special. Yes. Right? And she gets a little bit of attention because of it, which is kind yeah. of nice when you're one of three, I'm sure. Yes. But, you know, she's it's really interesting. You know, I see this a lot. The, you know, the kids will stop and they'll say, can I eat this? You know, they won't just mm-hmm. dive into a plate of cookies. They'll stop and think. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing to see in kids as young as, as Abigail that she is really cognizant and aware of it. And you have to wonder if – you know, some part of her doesn't you know, really 
know that it's hurting her body to eat bad stuff for her. Like, and she just really feels it or something, you know, that she, that's really has become part of her psyche. Yes. I, I mean, I think so. I think she has to know that it's, you know, making her feel better too, Mm -hmm. that she, you know, it's, it's worth it to her. And that's certainly my hope that she's young enough that she's not going to feel like, well, just this once I'm going to have pain with my friends or, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that, that will be, you know, part of her routine, but. Well, what about your other daughters and your other family members? You know, and we've, since we talked, we've dealt with Thanksgiving and the holidays and parties and all kinds of stuff. How has that all gone for you? Well, they, you know, well, our youngest one is two, so she just kind of goes with whatever, but, um, our older daughter who's eight, you know, she, um, she misses some of her gluten favorites. Um, <laughs> French toast sticks is like one thing that the just we just couldn't quite get a you know quick preschool breakfast um, thing. So you know some of the things we have slid back into having a couple things in the home. But I'm very particular. Like, well, it can't be in the toaster. It has to be in the microwave. It has to be covered. You know, so mm-hmm. a couple things we've slid back for her and. After um, Abby's six-month checkup, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but, you know, it went well. And, and she said, oh, that's great. She said, can we have gluten again in the house? So, uh. you know, I think I think she, um, you know, mm-hmm. I think it is, is hard for her. But, you know, when she's out with friends and out to dinner and whatever, obviously she can do, you know, whatever she wants. And I still am. I, I still get very nervous even when we have just those like few items. We have some crackers for the little one or whatever that are like way up high on a shelf and just even having some of it in the house sometimes does feel like poison to me. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's kind of like uh but but the other two do seem to miss some of the you know, things that we used to have. So um but yeah, so but still no, she cannot have gluten anymore. <laughs> even though her appointment <laughs> went well. Well, let's talk about the appointment. So you had yeah. the six-month um, appointment. It was this week, yes. right? Yes. And you was. had blood work done before the appointment. Yes, we but did. But you didn't know how the blood work turned out until you went to the appointment. Right, correct. And it was um, right. it was like a drum roll, you know? Yes. Like, okay, what is it going to be? How are we doing? Um, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so anyway, yeah, her um, number, you know, that had been over 100 is now down to four. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. So, single digit. I mean, zero, obviously. I wish I had an applause herbal. button. Oh, <laughs> thank <present>. you. Yes. <laughs> and it was much rejoicing. Uh, yes. No, I mean, we um, we were really just so excited. And, and they checked all of her uh, nutrients, you know, the vitamin D and I believe the B vitamins, iron, maybe not. But, you know, just a whole panel of different things. And, um and so everything, you know, seemed to be going going well. So, so we That's are great. we are very very happy about that. We will. You must feel you. really relieved. I mean, yeah. for all of the work that you've been doing and as much, you know, worry and labor over um, every meal and and everything that you've been doing to take care of her, you know, to know that it's working is, yeah. you know, a wonderful relief. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it and really was. Well, Tell me, you know, not from the the diagnostic perspective, but, you know, how do you feel like things have changed for Abigail in terms of her physical health? Well, you know, it's it's more from what other people say about her, I think, that that I think the changes, um, 
is that we get so many compliments on her on how um what did my friend the term that she used is she just looks more vibrant that was mm-hmm. the term you know that she used and and around Christmas time, I was putting together, you know, like the scrapbook from last year, and I was looking at pictures, and 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 she's right, you know, like her eyes were really deep set, and even, you know, at our favorite restaurant when we went in, she said, oh, she looks so good, like her eyes look better, and her, um, she's gained weight, even though to me she looks, you know, taller and thinner, um, but so she's she's growing, but like she she doesn't have like a much of a poochy belly, and but mm-hmm. she's gained weight, you know, which I just think is great. Yeah, um, for her, cause, and she's just eating so healthy. Yeah, so well, that's wonderful. So yeah, so people, other people have noticed, I think more than we have in her like physical mm-hmm. appearance, just because you know we see her every day. So um, it's really only looking back at pictures or, or hearing other people's comments. But um, but yeah, I think I do see it. So that's great. And then what yeah. about her other symptoms that she was having that sort of caused you to even no. start looking at celiac? Overall, um, from where we were six months ago or definitely a year ago, it's so much better. But she still does struggle to have um, – she does have occasional accidents um, mm-hmm. still. And, you know, I know it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating for me, but it's very frustrating for her as well. And um, I guess I'm still not 100% sure if – could it be some sort of cross-contamination I mean, could it be just having some things in the house that are, you know, I, I don't know. I think only time will tell. Um, her her doctors seem to think that, you know, it would take 6 to 12 months for her to completely heal, for her body to completely mm-hmm. heal. And since she kind of had, the you know, the problem in the small intestines from the celiac, but the lower intestines with the constipation, the severe constipation over years, truly yeah. for her years, you know, that takes, you know, her doctor said as long as it's been a problem to, to heal itself. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's kind of a hard, so, okay, so now we've got the small intestines healing, you know, mm-hmm. well on the road. But that large intestines, I would think, probably will take a little bit longer just because her muscles are, you know, yeah. need to kind of retrain. So, so you know, we're trying to be patient with that. Um, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to snap my fingers and just say it's it's she's 100%. But in that we do struggle with some of the symptoms. But I I'm trying to believe that it's just part of the healing process. And mm-hmm. six months to a year, it hasn't even been a year. So right. you know, <laughs> so it could and well, it could be longer. And I know at least initially you had taken her off dairy. Where are you now with that? We started that back in. We did that probably about four months. Um, we traveled for Christmas for a whole week. We were on the road. Mm-hmm. And um, that was, you know, I was so anxious about that. But um, I think we kind of, um, it was it was difficult. It was, it was a challenge for us with the gluten and it was, um, you know, with the dairy. And her, the second nutritionist that we had seen kind of said, oh, don't, you know, the dairy's fine. So we kind of just tried to, like, introduce it slowly. I still try to keep her minimal on it she still she loves her almond milk i don't think she'll ever go back to regular milk mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so there's some things but cheeses um some of the yogurts we still we we have introduced like the you know dairy forms so so we're not full-on dairy but we're we're not dairy free anymore and it seems to be you know going okay 
Mm-hmm. So. And I know um, they normally say six months to a year to after the diagnosis not to have oatmeal. Oh, what is she yes. doing with regard to oats? Oh, she was so sad. She was hoping mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. six months they were going to give her the green light. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, no, they said to wait a full year. Um, yeah, her doctor, I guess, is more on the conservative side with Mm -hmm. that and we are fine with that i think that's a great thing she has been absolutely loving grits she has grits for breakfast every Mm -hmm. morning i think i told you it would be a wonderful substitute for the oatmeal because you can just treat it like oatmeal to whatever you want on there i'm gonna make a southern girl out of her i am i'm going to (laughs) absolutely she loves it and so she's been eating the grits and she was fine she did that was her big question at her appointment this week but um, was can I have oatmeal? Um, and you know they said no, but she she was like, all right, you know I'm eating grits, so that's fine. So yeah, and when when you can oatmeal. Oats- well, I know, I know. Well, and for those of you listening who don't, um, you know, know the controversy over oats is that while oats do not contain gluten in them in the same way that wheat, barley, and rye do. They are typically harvested and um, grown and milled and packaged in the same areas and in the same um, using the same equipment as gluten-containing grains. So unless you're buying certified gluten-free oats, the oats are going to be contaminated with gluten, so much so that they used to actually think oats contain gluten because every time they sampled and tested them, they had you know, they were positive for gluten. So the first step is you have to always buy certified gluten-free oats, otherwise you're getting contaminated oats. The second issue, though, is that some people retain a sensitivity to oats not really sure why. It's not necessarily a celiac thing, but um, some people are sensitive to the oats themselves. And so what the doctors say is they don't want you to have oats until you've been six months or a year off of gluten, your body has had a chance to heal, and that way if you eat oats and you don't feel well or start having symptoms again, you know that oats are the problem. And that way it's a sort of a controlled experiment, plus your body has had a chance to heal. Um, When you do reintroduce the oats, though, you need to do it in very small portions because oats have very high fiber content, and that can cause problems just because of that. While fiber is very good for you, you don't want to you know, shock your body and, and, you know, slam it with a whole bunch of fiber all at one time. So they recommend introducing oats slowly and just taking really good notes to see if your body can tolerate that. And hopefully they, you know, she'll be fine with the oats because that will also open up some other um, easy snack foods for you in terms of, like, granola bars kind of things, the gluten-free ones. You can't just go out and buy a Nature Valley granola bar with oats in it because that's contaminated. But there are lots and lots of gluten-free protein bars and snack bars on the market that actually contain gluten-free oats. And so that will be a really easy thing to put in your lunch or to have in the car for snacks and things like that should um, should that turn up. But in the interim, there are also some really great snack foods out there that don't have oats. One of the ones that um, – that I like is called Now Bars, N-O-W, Bars, and um, it's no opportunity wasted. And they actually are nut-free as well. They have some nut-free bars as well, and they, they have oat-free bars. And Kind Bars are another one that they have um, nuts, but they don't have oats in all of their bars like a lot of other companies do. So there's some really good bars out there that you could look into that are gluten-free, and don't contain oats and don't contain dairy. Even a lot of the kind bars don't have any dairy in them. So it's a nice thing. I actually had breakfast this morning. I was running out the door for a meeting and I didn't have time for breakfast, so I had a peanut butter and jelly kind bar. <laughs> and it was it was very 
satisfying. So um, there are some fun things to look for like that in the interim before you can um, reintroduce the oats. So put those on your shopping list, Jessica. Yes, I will. (laughs) Well, and I wanted to just mention – you know, those of you who are making the transition or have recently made the transition to gluten-free um, or for a family member, if you don't have my book, The First Year Celiac Disease and Living Gluten-Free, I would strongly recommend checking it out from the library or getting it online or in your closest bookstore. It walks you through every month. Um, and in the beginning, it's week by week, like what to do when you're first diagnosed or what to do when you first go gluten-free because of gluten intolerance or otherwise. And the perfect thing to do, um, like right now for Jessica, is in the very center of the book. It's called The Half-Year Milestone. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a it's a really great list of things that you can go through and go, yep, I can do that, yep, I did that, yep, yep, yep. And it makes you really feel like you have come six months down the road and you really have mastered this. I mean, you. I'm looking at the list now. You now have a clean, organized, and largely gluten-free kitchen, and you shop with confidence. You know how to read labels. You know how to purchase things that are truly gluten-free. Um, you have handled you know, birthday parties. You've handled mm-hmm. classroom parties and snacks. You know how to eat out at restaurants. I mean, it is kind of a pain sometimes in certain restaurants, but you know how to do it. You know the questions to ask, and you can feel confident in picking better restaurants to go to than others. You know how to find support from others who are living gluten-free. You've joined a support group for, uh, you know, and also a mom's group for some kids that, you know, other kids that have celiac disease. And, you know, you understand celiac disease and its connections, um, you know, to encourage your family to get tested. And I know you're planning on perhaps even getting your own family DNA tested. So you really have ownership of, you know, a lot of these things that maybe seem really overwhelming at first, but as you move through the process, it becomes more second nature. So you should feel very confident in how far you've come, Jessica, and how amazing a job you've done for your daughter and um, you know, thank you for sharing your progress with us and walking us through, you know, what you've been doing and, and the struggles and hurdles, but also the victories. So congratulations on six months. Thank and you. And we look forward to lots more good news um, for Abigail. Great. Thank Take you care, so okay? much. Thanks yeah, for all your congratulations. tips. Congratulations. Sure. You. <laughs>